Welcome to the 10th episode of Junto Club. On this episode, Matt shares all a novice investor has to offer when it comes to the GameStop news story and stock options. He seems to think he'll make you rich. Shu talks about a book with a great title, awful subtitle, and half-decent advice. For any questions, comments, or to tell us what made you millions, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. Alright, so welcome to the 10th meeting of the Junto Club, where we are inspired by, you know, the original uh, Junto Club, uh, started by Benjamin Franklin around about 300 years ago. And the goal is to, of course, to have fun and learn from each other, you know, by discussing interesting topics, such as science, technology, politics, philosophy, and business ideas, and of course, investing as well. So speaking of investing, this is the, I think this is the whole the topic of the main topic of the on our agenda for today, right? And then I think we're going to talk about, of course, what happened of uh, GameStop, the craziness, and then we're going to go to Matt's perfect strategy for for investing without risk, and then I'm going to talk about one a book I've been reading right now actually i just finished it i think this is my second my second favorite book actually it's called all i want to know is where i'm going to die so i'd never go there so it's a it's a great book i'm gonna talk about it later but before that before that i think everything on our mind right now is probably daylight savings right no, <laughs> not at all. all right. That's an abrupt turn. Exactly. That's my style. So actually, um, I just found out a really interesting story about Daylights. I mean, do you know who kind of started it in the U.S. in a way? I'm going to take a guess and say Benjamin Franklin. Exactly. Uh, oh, nailed it. <laughs> so uh, actually, I heard it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this week, especially uh, – Actually, Benjamin Franklin back in the day, I think he he intended as a as a joke kind of in a way. He wrote a letter like to some of the people in government, say, "Hey, you know, we should start, you know, uh, and it should let everybody get up, you know, when the sun rises and go to sleep when the when the when the sun sets, right? So that way you can save all the money on candles." So <laughs> that was his idea to save money, right? save candles. And his joke still haunts us today. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll. I do enjoy it being later at night in the spring, but it is mm. brutal losing that hour. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it made sense back in the day, of more course, so, yeah. but now. Uh, people aren't waking up at the crack of dawn consistently anyway, so. Well, yeah, a lot of people actually complain about it. I, I actually, personally, for me, it's a good idea because I like to wake up early, and I usually like to wake up when I go outside. I want, I want, I want it still to be dark, right? Because if you if you don't do the daylight saving, I think I in the in the spring or summer when I wake up early and it's still it's bright already, I, I don't really like that. Right. So I want to wake up when it's still dark. So 
I think what most people don't like is in the winter it gets it makes it so you get dark earlier. Right. Uh and I think most people would rather have that extra daylight in the afternoon. Yeah. So maybe yeah. they can get out of school or work or something and not already be like pitch black, but Yeah. And I feel like that's a shoe that's a very shoe thing, wanting to wake up when it's dark. I feel like ninety nine point nine percent of the population would would be like that's like the the sign that they shouldn't be awake. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I want to get out early, get the workout in. So that way when I like, finish workout is the time like sunrise is perfect, right? So Right. No, I mean I occasionally did a workout class with my trainer and would be leaving sort of about sunrise at the gym and yeah. I always felt like my workouts were terrible, though. Mm. I've seen, I've heard of, they've done proposals to make daylight savings permanent. So it's like the date, like it's in the daylight saving shift is the time, but then there's just no shifting ever. I think either way, no shifting, most people agree that no shifting is better. Because uh, it's actually causes. Sorry, like you don't change the time? Is that what yeah. You're just oh. never, like just pick oh. one. Because I mean, every time it shifts, there's, issues so there's like spikes and accidents and other issues every time so like mm. most people recognize it's a bad it's just kind of got that in- it's not that important though right so it's kind of got inertia to like actually get changed yeah yeah anyway let's move on to a more crazy topic of this week i guess uh, matt you want to go ahead and explain what happened this week all right. I mean i feel like everyone's explained it already plenty of times do y'all do y'all understand it do you... uh, no, I think you can just give me a general context. I think I read a little bit about it, about what happened to GameStop, but I think you can probably explain the story better. In a... All right. To try to summarize it in not too long, um, the main, some hedge funds shorted GameStop. Basically, if you don't know what a short is, you can just think of it like as a bet that... Um, the store's value, the stock value will go down. Um, and they do this by like selling a stock and then at a certain price and then buying it back later for cheaper. Mm. Um, you know, so if it goes down, they make money. Uh, and several months ago, this one random guy on Reddit, he kind of noticed two things. One, he thought GameStop was already undervalued in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the stock value. Because everyone's kind of like, oh, GameStop's on its way out. You know, digital media is the future and whatnot. And that's not wrong. But he's like, there's still a decent amount of physical sales. There's new consoles coming out, blah, blah, blah. So basically, he thought the stock was undervalued. More importantly, uh, market information revealed that 140% of GameStop's stops stock had been uh, shorted. So that is, you know, more than 100%, which means at some point, these short sellers have to cover their position. Mm-hmm. So either buy the stock back to give it um, or just buy out of their position. Um, so you can think of that as like a large amount of guaranteed demand. And the thing about these sort of short selling is they, they kind of have to just buy what the market price is, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Basically, he was like, GameStop's a good investment. And, you know, and then it started to pick up a little. And then it kind of became a thing on the internet, specifically Reddit, Wall Street's bets. It became like this big thing where they're like, oh, like everyone, like GameStop's going to make you a lot of money. And what they explicitly were trying to do is what's called a short squeeze, where you, mm. um, it, it's what it, I mean, kind of what we're already talking about, where a short squeeze is where you basically buy and hold 
as many of the stocks that people shorted as possible. And then when they are forced to try to cover their position, they have to buy them at super high rates because, you know, you have them all or, you know, the mm. people who have them aren't selling. So it drives the spice. Uh, and this was really modeled off of 2008. Volkswagen was briefly the most uh, valuable company in the world for mm. just like an instant in time because there was a short squeeze where its stock price went over like 600 or 800 or something, which at the time in 2008 was much more impressive than right now with like, you know, Tesla at like a thousand or whatever. But what um, caused what caused you to go up so it became so valuable? Uh, it was a short squeeze. So a lot of people yeah. had shorted Volkswagen and then other people bought and held and the price spiked like crazy. So basically uh, this was Wall Street bets, like essentially the plan. They're like mm-hmm. a ton of some hedge funds shorted this. We can do a short squeeze and uh, and make a bunch of money off of them. And but back in 2008, it was done by like sophisticated investors. Probably, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm not that familiar with it, but like there wasn't like, you know, things like Robinhood in 2008. Yeah. Uh, but now just idiots on their phones and Reddit can, you know, do stuff like this. So, and then of course, other big hedge funds did get in in terms of buying GameStop stock to hold, taking the sort of long position, the opposite of the short position. Mm. So it became a whole big thing. Then people started looking at what are other stocks that have high percentages of shorts, right? So like AMC was one of them. Apparently not, it wasn't as bad, but like a, a lot of people had shorted AMC because they're like movie theaters are dying anyway, COVID plus plus, you know, boom, boom, boom. The AMC stock, you know, shoots up and then people start trying to find the next one, right? Yeah, waiting for me. <laughs> Did you sell your AMC? No, I, I usually don't sell. <laughs> it's I it's just too much this hassle decision anyway. I just my strategy just buy and hold. And over time, because last year you told me to oh, you know, you just we were just talking about AMC and I just over time just like oh whenever it's down, I just bought like buy a share or something, right? It's only three dollars. So, you know, over time it's only like ten shares, only thirty bucks. Well, if I lose everything, you know, it's only thirty bucks anyways, I no big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I'm not sure. I feel like you might have missed the most. Like, if you just hold, you'll probably miss the most about. Like, I doubt AMC long term is going to be as high as it is in some of these spikes. But right, my brother well, sold his AMC. That yeah. was probably the smart move. But you know, it I, it does seem like these things aren't going to immediately crash super low, right? Like they're hanging around, and I'm guessing the stock will be inflated for at least somewhat for a while. Yeah, but AMC it doesn't go up as much as GameStop, right? GameStop yeah. was like a year ago, was like what, four dollars, five dollars, and it went up like five hundred dollars, I mean, right? It's been floating in the three hundreds for most of this week, the last few days. Also, violently shooting up and down, um, but you know, sitting consistently in the low three hundreds overall, if you kind of average over time. Which yeah, is like you know, thousand plus, <laughs> not a thousand, I don't know, thousand percent or whatever. More right. than a thousand percent. So, what did you guys talk about in that situation? <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny. Oh, and then hold on, hold on. But yeah. we forgot the biggest part. So, oh, yeah, that's right. So, Wall Street bets, Reddit, Reddit group of Redditors is trying to do the short squeeze. And then uh, yesterday, a bunch of brokers started restricting buying but not selling of these stocks which very much you know we'll we'll see if there was something they actually needed to do in terms of like to like keep everything working 
um, mm-hmm. keep themselves solvent and whatever, or if they're just trying to like protect uh, people who businesses who have invested with them. But it sure looked like they were trying to protect hedge funds that were overshorted in the stock. Cause when you, so if you restrict, you know, buying, but not selling, yeah, obviously that's going to be downward pressure on the price because a large portion of retail investors. So regular people, retail investors couldn't buy the stock, but they could sell what they had. And then institutional investors like hedge funds could still buy. So they did this, the price crashed, um, you know, and then it's, a lot of that was bought up. And a lot of people were wondering like how many, you know, how yeah. much positions, short positions were they able to cover for like half the price or less because of, you know, what they did. And there's still been restrictions today. Uh, you know, so it's a Robin lot Hood. of, we need to talk, say it's lobbying hood, right? <laughs> a lot of, you know, yeah. Uh, and you and know, it was supposed to stand for the little guys, right? But it's not really. <laughs> yeah. And they say they're trying to protect investors, right? And you could argue, oh, are some people going to get in on like the end of this bubble? Right. But the question is, is this a bubble or a short squeeze, right? Because like a pump and dump, a bubble, you make money off of the people who buy in after you, right? And if you're the last group to buy in, you're the one hosed. But in yeah. a short squeeze, they're trying to make money off of the hedge funds who are sitting on short positions. And all this week... So, I mean, we don't really know who has exactly what positions, but there are still a lot of shorts on GME, GME's yeah. GameStop. Um, and which kind of makes sense because everyone knows GameStop's not going to trade at 300 forever, right? So it is going to eventually drop down. So you got this crazy war of people trying to hold the stock versus people trying to guess and bought, like short it for the right time to like yeah. make bank. Um, but anyway, so GameStop, <laughs> Robinhood, half... They came out half of everyone who has Robinhood, which is millions of users, has yeah. GameStop stock. Okay. Yeah, half yeah. their fucking users. And uh-huh. then they ban the buying of it on their app, which pushes the price down. And this just pisses everyone the fuck off. And like I said, it looks so Citadel like owns part of Robinhood and works with them directly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Citadel also invested in some of the firms that had shorted GameStop and were getting yeah. like boned. So it sure looked like Robinhood might have been just doing it at the behest of, you know, the companies they work with, uh, you know, to mm-hmm. save them essentially. Yeah. But, you know, they say that's not true. It would take a real investigation to figure out what it is, but it's a bad look. It's a bad look. And this is when politicians got involved and you had like Ted Cruz and AOC and, Ben Shapiro all agreeing that like this is you know (laughs) corruption Wall Street getting mad when the little guy wins yeah Yeah. all right that's the summary that's awesome yeah yeah I think it's a good summary and again what I think AOC tweeted and then Ted Cruz and I say I agree or something like that right (laughs) and then AOC was like fuck off you tried to have me killed a few weeks ago but really what do you mean oh yeah the the Capitol riot yeah Yeah. she she responded to that Ted Cruz thing it's like She's like, I'll work with basically any other Republican, but you tried to have me murdered, so fuck off. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, and then just to get on the fun, after it was already really high, I bought some GameStop stock, you know, saw it go more than 100 above and below of what I originally bought it. Eventually, I cashed out earlier today for like a small gain, not much, but I was like, I'd really only bought it to kind of just like be a part of it, right? Like I'm not, yeah. wasn't trying to make money. Yeah. But I'm like, this has just become more stressful than fun. So I'm like, I'd take a little bit of cash that I gained yeah. and just exit out here. When did you, when did you buy it? Like a few days ago. Oh, were you, were you able to buy shares or fractional shares? 
I, I bought one share. I mean, I could have oh, bought okay. a fractional share because well, Robinhood they did their stuff yesterday morning, and I had yeah. I already had a stock at that time. Yeah, I, was, I tried to buy a little bit today. I said, oh, you cannot buy fractional shares. I don't That's have three hundred dollars yeah. to spare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to avoid buying fractional shares anyway, but. Oh, really? We'll, Why? We'll get into that later. Partly just because, you know, I like round numbers, but partly because my genius investing strategy doesn't work if you have fractional shares. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. But yeah. So, uh, you know, AMC's rich, GMC's maybe a bubble. So we, we really don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a bubble, kind of a short squeeze because there's just shorts and there's still a lot of shorts on the, the stock. And uh, I guess I thought it was going to blow up today, like something crazy would happen, but I guess not. So we'll see next week what happens. So, so since you are a resident Reddit expert, so have you been following a, a Reddit thread on on there? Yes. And what do you think about what what do you, what do you think about the people in the comments in there on there? Uh <laughs> I guess. Different things. Uh, the Wall Street's bets is, we'll say, an interesting online community. Yeah, I encourage people to go look at it yourself. Uh, lately, what I've noticed is they've really beginning been getting into the whole populist vibe of like beating Wall Street. So there's yeah. a lot of people who are just like, I'm never selling GameStop, rather yeah. than I'm going to try to sell when the short squeeze, like the main squeeze, happens to like profit off of. And I'm like, are y'all really? I'm like, this is like initially it looked more like people focused on like, here's how we can make a lot of money. And now mm. it seems like more and more people are like, yeah, let's fuck wall street. And I'm like, I think you're mm. just going to fuck yourselves. Right. If you just, if you're actually intent on just holding forever, you're just going to lose most of your money. Mm. And eventually uh, greed will take over. I assume. Like, yeah. For some of them, but you know, the, the squeeze, the vent, like if there is like a distinct squeeze, right. A spike and a drop, it'll probably be, I don't know. I would think it would be over fast. Maybe not. It's it's crazy because, like I said, there's so many people betting on it both ways, essentially, and trying to, like, time this. How long have you been following the threat? I mean, I guess since earlier this week. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, or, like, at the beginning of this week. So, I mean, obviously, this has been, like, a thing building subtly for longer than that. Like, the, guys, the guy who started this made an original video, like, six months ago being, like, mm-hmm explaining why he thought GameStop was actually a good stock. And, you know, and he, at the time, he was like, people are probably going to like laugh and turn this video off. But, you know, that's well, what he thought. But yeah, it's well, only gotten he, really big recently. So why do you think uh, GameStop is a, a good stock? Because my question is, actually, one of my questions for you guys right now is, is GameStop a good business, right? So why do you think that GameStop is actually a, a good stock? I think the biggest thing, is he doesn't necessarily think GameStop's like a tremendous business with a huge future, but he thought it was already undervalued was the main mm-hmm. thing. So he he put out some stuff where he said they got some new management teams, they're pushing into online retail a lot, and they still have like it's they have like a non-trivial amount of like quarterly revenue through their stores and stuff. So he was like like yeah like obviously gaming is moving to is going to be strictly online at some point maybe 20, but like it's, that might be 10 to 20 years down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much was the price then? Like a few dollars, I think, I think well, it's gone from like three to 300. Cons- uh, yeah. You know, consistently with spikes up in the high four hundreds occasionally. 
short so times. He, when he when he saying that it's undervalued because he the share was like five five dollar, he says it was undervalued, right? Yeah, and so, and like if it was just undervalued though, like that's only half the equation, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's undervalued plus more than one hundred percent of the stocks being shorted. Like those things combined make the potential for the price to surge very high. Yeah, yeah. I think some article I read was like this uh, short, the people that are shorting the GameStop and $5 kind of almost like, why would you short a stock when it's only $5, right? Because you only can <laughs> go to zero, right? Which you only get like $5, make $5 per share. But, you know, if you if it goes up, it's infinite because it, potential because there's no ceiling for how much can go right so how much you you lose all the money so he's like why would you show the style is like only five dollars yes these type of shorts have a limited amount of possible profit and an unlimited theoretical potential loss (laughs) yeah well i mean i think you're looking at like i mean gamestop and amc though when i think of them like i mean those uh, they'll be like i mean amc has uh, I guess has the potential to be sort of like the one big movie theater chain that survives this pandemic, right? Mm. So, but I mean, realistically, it it seems as though like there were times during the pandemic where it certainly seemed as though movie theaters weren't going to make it like at all, and yeah. like a brick and mortar place that sells video games, like I mean, I could easily see that going bankrupt pretty readily. Yeah. So, I mean, I I guess. Uh, me thinking about like is zero like yeah yeah you're absolutely right like there's infinite loss possible or there's finite gain but i mean it certainly seemed like the gain was almost assured if people hadn't taken notice of this but yeah and to be (laughs) fair to them like these are this is something people do all the time successfully and make money right like this is not like the first time you know the hedge fund is like shorted a business it's just kind of uh but it is the first time mass amounts of retail investors you know collectively through internet forums aka reddit you know agreed to like screw if i'm over it so yeah. i give a i can understand a little bit like this is a unpre- unforeseeable situation i think mm-hmm. yeah. right right so so i want to go back to the game style a little bit in the business side because i i don't really play games like computer games or like console games right now so mm-hmm. i think Matt, is, you are the only one that actually like really into games now. Like, do you? What, what's the GameStop's business model? I think they only like sell consoles, right, and a video game in, in, in the DVD form, right? Mm-hmm. What else do they do? Like, I know they sell like merchandise and stuff. Like, I, I mean, I think that's mostly it. You know, the the consoles and games themselves. They have those the exchange, which is less of. They used to be big on trying to like buy and sell used games between people. Um, but I think that's less and less of a thing these days and yeah, and they're a little merchandise. So, you know, I, I think that's it. Like I said, they have some sort of online retail aspect, which I assume is similar trying to just sell and distribute games, you know, kind of acting like steam or things like that, but online that people can just buy it and then get downloaded the game through the, I haven't really looked, I'll be honest, but you know, like I said, they're making some money and I think it's mostly through the console market. So I am also more of a PC gamer and I don't think there's that much for PC at GameStop, but Uh, console people, which is a lot to be fair. Okay. So it's almost like Best Buy for, it's more like Best Buy for games, right? People just go there and buy games. So 
I guess, yeah, and that's why it doesn't look like there's any future. Right? In five years or 10 years, probably it's not going to be existing anymore, right? Well, People, without some major shifts successfully yeah. to like focus on like other aspects, yeah, probably not. Consoles will be around, mm. but like eventually consoles will stop worrying about giving out physical copies of games, right? Like that's on a time limit. Yeah. Um, right. So, I mean, that's becoming increasingly rare already i think so mm-hmm. you mean dvd game right 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 i mean uh, there'll always be people who want to have like collections like of games of physical games from their you know sort of like uh there are, are people who want to have uh what like records and stuff like that yeah. but i mean i think new games it will become increasingly more rare and they may put out like specialized ones that would be sold in like a comic book store or something like something like that and and then even if they do like maybe if people do really focus on gamestop for to buy their consoles like you know the console launches are five every five years that most frequent right like that's not i see i see that's not a long-term sustainable so they do like the company will fail unless it managed to like shift in some meaningful way but Mm -hmm. But the timer isn't, you know, this year, right? Like they're not going to fail this year. So, Mm. and the people who shorted the stock can't wait that long. They're (laughs) losing money. Yeah, yeah. So did did the guy who say is a good undervalued, he say any other reasons, just the price is low and then new management's coming and people are shorting it and that's it? I mean, he has like an hour long video that I didn't watch most of. I will, if you want, I'll send you the link. I think, uh, so I think that's good enough for now. I think uh, uh, my thoughts on this is that I actually really like what's happening, right? That's why I want to buy a little GameStop to support the movement in a way. Because uh, for me, because I look at the, uh, the subreddit actually, and there's like 500, like 5 million followers, right? And then one thing I really big in, I mean, I really like in, uh, don't lie about actually in the education in the U.S. I think I mentioned before is that we don't teach like financial literacy, mm-hmm. like in, in high school, you know, uh, even in college, right? So, so I personally I don't really start thinking about money management stuff until I mean like in my thirties, right? So that's like too late for me, right? So I was like, so I I'm, I guess I really glad there's a lot of like actually any five million people are actually like and is starting to be aware of like what's going on in the financial market and then getting getting into the market, market, try to, you know, uh, learn. I mean, even you gamble a little bit, but, you know, I think most people know they, 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 they want to like, try to, you know, uh, <laughs> gamble with all their assets, right? They probably just playing with their dis- disposable income. So I think that's a, that's a good sign. And it's, <laughs> and yeah. You say that, but there are people who have committed suicide for, you know, losing everything on Robin Hood. So. Yeah, but it's uh, one, one, one or two person, right? So, I mean, yeah. most people, I mean, I don't know, these five million, you know, they're, they're probably, most of them just using their 99% of these people only probably only play with their disposable income. Hopefully. Uh, I don't know if I'd put the percentage that high. Uh, if you if you go around on it long enough, you'll see plenty of people being like, I'm all in on GameStop or, you know. Right. Okay, okay, 80%, 80%. <laughs> and, I, and I guess it's also how you uh, define disposable income. Like, I mean, Stiff will... Money. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. If it's money, they could throw away and be fine. Like, the, yeah. like sort of if they were to go to a casino and be fine, then, yeah. you know, I think there are people definitely going above that. But, uh, 
you know, yeah. I mean, are they losing their houses on there? I mean, maybe yeah. that's less rare. Yeah. <laughs> so. So. No. All right. So I think any is pretty good for me uh, on this topic, and I think I, another thing is about I think I didn't hear mention I, is. Because like in 2008, what happened in 2008 was like Wall Street, right? And they were really like uh, take a lot of risk, and then you know they caused the economy to crash. And then these uh, Wall Street guys, the hedge funds, they didn't really suffer any kind of significant any consequence, right? They got bailed out, right? So this this is almost like I, I think a lot of people try to get back, and then in a way, almost like right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. I, mean, I do. Yeah, go ahead. I do feel like a little bit of that populist sentiment, although it feels very good, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not probably not entirely accurate because uh, there's definitely some, like I mentioned earlier, there's definitely some big hedge funds that like joined in, like playing the long game on GME, like mm-hmm. making money off of what that's happening. And you know, and yeah, so there were some mid-sized hedge funds that were shorting it, but like, like it's not like you're killing wall street overall. Right. Like, and it's, I'm down for like random retail investors to make, you know, some good money off of it, but you know, you're not hurting wall street. You're hurting like one investment firm while helping another. Mm. It's kind of a trade off. Do you think, so you don't think this is going to last? You're going to crash next week or something. I would, I would be surprised if the price was still, you know, Above a hundred dollars at the end of next week, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see how long. It's basically a staring contest, right? <laughs> right now, between people holding GME stock and hold people holding, you know, short positions on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm more interested if uh, if this will just like lead to shorting being like a far, far less common practice. Like, Definitely shorting this much of a company for sure. Yeah. And I like, I've seen people talk about like now, from now on, like financial people will have to like put in the risk factor that like a stock gets memed on the internet mm-hmm. and then just like blows up, right? They'll be like, this is something that can happen. So you just got to be careful. Well, this is, uh, this is the, uh, Elon Musk effect. Like, like anytime oh, yeah, Elon like- Musk tweets about anything, it takes off and you just need to predict what Reddit is going to pick up next. I need a trading algorithm that just looks for company names and his tweets and yeah, then instantly a... buys. Well, the reason, reason, the reason he did it because uh, he has a, he has beef with uh, he short hates sellers, short sellers, right? Because uh, uh, short seller have been, I mean, a lot of people were shorting Tesla when they were like 200, 300, right? So then, actually, there's some short seller actually, and I try to take like like aerial photograph of my like, Tesla, and I. Uh, like factories, say, hey, there's so many like cars parked in the parking lot. That means they are not selling it, and there's no demand, right? <laughs> <laughs> These short sellers like try to uh, try to cook up this like information, you know, try to make it the stock price fall. So that's you just so dumb, right? <laughs> that is, that's pretty dumb, yeah, from the short side. But it's also pretty hilarious. They're just like, damn it, this Tesla stock won't fall because I agree, Tesla stock's probably overvalued. Let's you yeah. know say, but it's like that doesn't really matter, right? Like if it's and if it won't fall and you put you know you bought a bunch of puts on tesla you're gonna get lose all your yeah. money but i mean this is not now this is like a year a, a year and a half ago night when the tesla stock was only like 300 dollars, right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. anyway it was just like yeah i can only imagine what the puts are on tesla i'm looking this up right now just for fun 
All right. So and then, okay, and at the same time, we can go to your strategy for investing. All right. Hold on one real quick. Oh, Tesla's only at seven hundred. Wasn't it a thousand? Did Tesla drop hard? No, it's, it's split. It is a split. Yeah, it split into half. Like, so it, like this week? No, a few months ago. No, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's still down from its peak, like this last month, by a, mm-hmm. a not trivial amount, but it was. Not, it was yeah, it was above. Like if the original Tesla stock before the split. We, no, right now it's 800, right? So that means, eight, that means like 1,600, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, th- I think Matt is right that it did. Dry, like, it was higher than that. I think it may have been over 800 uh, pretty recently. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Anyway, here's how you get free money on the stock market. Let me qualify this by saying you can get free money on top of what you're already investing and you just gotta all you gotta do is sell you need, you need to also verify uh saying that you are not a financial advisor <laughs> i'm not a financial advisor yeah this is what everyone like memes i am not a financial advisor but if you want free money no it's obviously not actually free money but it's a very reliable low risk strategy to get extra money right. just sell call options do you all know what call options are are you familiar with them no Okay. Not really. Okay. So options, we're just, so there's two types of options, calls and puts. We're just going to mm-hmm. talk about calls, but puts are basically the opposite in every mm-hmm. way. Um, so a call option is a contract that gives you the option to buy a stock at a certain price at, mm-hmm. up to a certain time. So there's an expiration date. And that's why it's called an option because you, whoever buys it has the option, but they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, a puts gives you the option to sell a stock. It's the opposite. I'm not going to mention anymore. So, you know, what people do is they'll say, mm, like, rather than let's say you think Tesla's going to go up, you know, you you know, for whatever reason, you think Elon's got something up his sleeve, right? But you don't, it's a lot of money, right? To buy Tesla stock. Dang, like every stock, $700. So for a lot less money, you can buy an option to buy these stocks. And if the stock does go above, so you buy the option to buy the stock at some price. And if the stock goes above that price, you can exercise it, get, and then you get the stocks and then you can immediately, it doesn't really matter that you have to pay a lot of money to get them because you can then immediately sell them back. And if the market price went above the price you agreed to, you make the difference as profit, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people like buying these call options because they let you sort of get the Basically, they let you get the potential gains of a stock without having to own it. So for a lot less money, you can access those potential gains. Um, Your risk is very limited. It's only the amount you paid for the call option. So there's a premium on every call option. That's finite. But the profit is theoretically infinite, kind of the reverse of the short sell position, right? It's a finite profit, uh, finite risk, infinite potential profit. Um. You know, so, so that's the th- reason people like these. But I mean, here's my thoughts on it. You know, what else has a finite risk, but infinite potential profit? The roulette table in a casino, <laughs> which is basically what I would say, uh, you know, putting these call options in, you know, in a sense is, is you're just gambling that you hope the stock goes up. And if you do, you win money. So I want to be the house in this mm-hmm. situation. And that's the people selling the call options. So 
So let's reverse this. I have some stocks. So calls, options only work and when you all options work with 100 stocks at a time. Don't mm-hmm. ask me why. That's how it is. But let's say I have 100 stock in a company, which I have 100 stock in several companies now because this is what I've been doing. Um, I think my company is at $10. I think there's no way it goes above $15 within the next month. I can sell a call option for $15. Maybe make, depends on other certain factors. Maybe I'll make 20 bucks. Maybe I'll make a hundred bucks, whatever. I sell it for a premium. I get that money. I get to keep that no matter what. Now there's only two possibilities. The call expires out of the money. So below that price. So my, the stock doesn't go above $15. The, the option just evaporates. It disappears. It's useless because their, their option is to buy the stock for more than it's trading on the market. Totally worthless. If mm. it does go above that stock, they buy the option for 15. I sell the stock I bought for $10 for $15 to someone. So I get the original premium and I get the gains on the stock. So the only way you feel bad is if it goes bonkers, like if it went to $50. Right. So what you're essentially selling off is this sort of tail end probability, low probability event of it going crazy high and like you making like a huge amount of gains. But, um, and essentially that's what they're paying for. That's the premium that they are paying for is that chance. And that's important because like the premium you get for it it's kind of comprised of two things. It's the difference between where the stock's at and the price is first of all, which kind of cancels out um, like the cost you paid. But there's also portion of the premium is how volatile the stock is and how much time's left. Cause that's like roughly will be proportional to the chance that it goes above it in the first place. Right. So really mm-hmm. stable stocks and not that far into the future, you're not going to get like anything for it. But if a stock's volatile and you're giving it a month, you can get a lot more for the premium. But you know, so it's like, theoretically yeah you're selling off the best possible option but you're gaining in every other option and you know mm-hmm. so if you just say like let's and for me personally like if i get a stock and it shoots up super high pretty fast part of me is going to be like should i sell now because maybe like this is like a peak and it's like there's a good chance it's going to go down like most things tend to average over time right mm-hmm. uh anyway so you know rather than saying uh you know, rather than just selling and then trying to look to see if it drops, you can just have this almost as a given, put it at the high price where you're like, this is higher than I would even expect. And I would assume that's a temporary peak and I would want to sell. Then you can have the call, you make money off the call and then you can get out if it's more than you'd want. And then if it drops back down, cause you're right, you can just buy back in, do it again. And like, you don't have to wait that long. So I got some where like, I mean, there's different, depends on the price and volatility and stuff, but some of these you can, you can do it in a month out. You can make a premium that's 10% of the stock price. So, you know, so in less than to... a year, you can get all the money back. And like, also remember, it's not like, it's not like, let's say if I'm selling my $10 stock for a $15 strike price, you know, that's the cause at $15. It's not like I'm stuck there forever. If the stock goes up to $14 and stays there consistently, I get all my money. They never exercise it. And then my next call, I can put at $19, right? So like, I mean, this is, so basically if you have, if you, so buy stocks you think are good, right? Let's, you, you buy stocks you think are good, going to be a good investment long-term. Unless you think for some reason it's going to have massive growth, all you got to do is sell call options for more money than you think it's going to realistically get to. 
and that's mm. just free money to you. That's basically what it is. Mm. How did you? How did you? Are you using it right now? Yes, I've started to, and I've, I've so I've done sold a couple, and I've bought more stocks. A hundred, I bought a hundred of more companies, so I can do more cautions. I've been looking at what, like, where I can get like the best, like the most premium versus for the versus like amount I have to pay for their stock and stuff. So like Delta was early on. I'm like, I should do this for Delta, but Delta is actually terrible because the stock's a little high and the premiums you can get are low because Delta is a pretty stable. So unless you sell, unless you sell close to like the price it is, which means you have a high chance of actually losing, lose, having to sell your stock, which is not my goal. Um, you know, unless you do that, it's not, you're not getting much. I mean, I might still do it just cause like, free ten dollars every month is still free ten dollars but like it's not no, an effective it? return of investment for that yeah. that right. said yeah. i still think delta is a good stock right so i'm not holding it for that but there's other stocks where i'm like hey like this one i actually think i can make good money off of selling calls and as long as the stock doesn't literally just like the company doesn't go bankrupt and I lose every all my ownings um i'm still making money right so how, how do you do you say you buy hundred shares in a company or a hundred companies? hundred shares. So all okay. options are contracts for 100 shares. So you can have okay. some number of contracts, but they're all for a hundred shares because I mean, I say it on, I think it's just because like the, to get the premium to be bigger. Cause sometimes the premium, like, well, I guess it's usually per stock. I think they just wanted the n- amount of money. Like they didn't want the contracts to be too small. So they, they have to be at least a hundred stock. So you need a uh, you need a hundred stocks. So you you can't really do fractional shares. So yeah, this doesn't work yeah, yeah. well with yeah. um, expensive companies like Tesla, unless you already got a lot of money. Yeah, I mean fraction fractional share is for like poor people like me, you know, not for you guys. Huh. Well, well, even a I mean, hundred shares of Delta is expensive for me. That's like four grand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Matt has a lot of new money, so. <laughs> I mean, I haven't gotten a paycheck for my new job yet, but disposal income, you know. But I am throwing a lot of. I'm starting to push a lot more of the money I just had in my bank into this, but I expect to be getting larger paychecks, so I'm not but worried. How do you come out with a strategy? I mean, to be fair, it's not like other people have thought of this, but I did. Okay. I was just looking. I was learning about options just out of kind of curiosity, mm-hmm. and then as I was watching people talk, they mostly talk about like why people buy them, then the strategy behind them, and the whole time I'm just like, I'm like, this sounds like it just sounds like there should be another side that's better off because they'll talk about they'll talk about the premium you pay for an option, right? So most people who buy an option don't want to exercise it that is actually by the stock they want to sell it back to the market for a higher price right. so if you buy a call option for whatever price if the stock goes up the value of that option is going to go up so you can sell it back you know for a, a higher premium than you bought it so that's what most people are trying to do when they're trading options um but but a really important part of this is like i mentioned well like it's dependent the price is going to be dependent on the price of the underlying stock it's going to be dependent on the volatility but also mm-hmm. the time left. And they're ta- they'll talk about this, how like every day you hold an option, you're losing value overall, right? And maybe other factors push the price up more, but like you have to be aware that you're losing value. And because when you exercise the stock, generally the premium, when you if you exercise the stock, the premium is just the value between the stock price and the call price. But, you know, before that, there's this like potential for it to go higher. And I'm, and I'm just looking at this like, where can I, I'm like, so people are paying and just losing money every day. 
And I'm like, I want to be the one collecting that money. Oh, and obviously, fair. obviously other people do. So this is, I mean, so what I'm doing is called covered calls, covered in that I have the stock because like Robinhood doesn't let you sell naked calls, which is what I'm using right now. Might be changing, but different issue. But like you could theoretically do a naked call where you sell and then you don't have the stock. But that starts getting back to that infinite risk scenario where if the price goes crazy high and you don't have the stock, now you have to buy it at the crazy high price yeah. and lose a ton of money. But yeah. a covered call, it's like there's no way you lose money giving a there's no way you actually lose money. Theoretically, you could lose potential profit from selling the stock that shot up to the moon. But you know, how often does that happen? GameStop's not a normal occurrence. So so how much time and effort you I mean, I guess how much uh, how much return you expect to get from this strategy? I mean, I think for a given stock, like I think with the right stocks, you can get about five to ten percent of the money you put in as premium every month. Every month. Every month. Okay. Which seems, I mean, I haven't been doing that long, so like the long term trends, you know, like I just started. Long term mm-hmm. trends checked out, but. That's what it looks like potential looking at stocks, you know, looking at so the numbers. Much, yeah. So how much time you do have to, to invest, like to, to, to get this to work now, I guess how much time you have to like, spend on trading options, I guess. You could probably do it in like a day a month, half a day a month. Cause mm-hmm. realistically you could just every month when the things expire, you just decide like, say, okay, I want to, let's assume none of them, if none of them got, exercised you have all your stocks still uh you've collected all the premium your calls are done you put up new calls for the next month you can also Mm. do this weekly or longer too right but you know looking at a balance i think two to four weeks is a good balance between getting a decent like a week tends to be the premiums are starting to come down a lot Mm, um, unless it's like a crazy like the stock's going crazy but Mm. um so something like two to four weeks so you just kind of reload was what i kind of plan to do is just like kind of reload, you know, every time it's done, like line them up. So all my calls end on the same time, re- mm. look at the price and stuff, reload based on that. And then, you know, go So I don't think that takes much time. Now, if you actually get exercise, then you have to decide, you know, okay, I've sold this stock, probably want to put that back into something else. Do you like look for another stock? Do I wait for the stock that shot up? Do I want to put like a limit order or something? to like, you know, buy it if I think it's going to drop back down, buy it again, you know, something like that. That would take a little more time, but mm. I don't think a huge amount. Like I said, a day, one day every month at most, and you could easily kind of keep this process going. No, so- I, I mean, I see a lot of positive aspects to it, I guess. I mean, as you say, it's just like the more money you have, the more money, like I, we're working on percentages here. So the more money you sort of are investing you know, you have to invest the more money you can sort of turn over. I mean, that I like the, the way I've heard about uh, call uh, options talked about before is basically wait for a controversy, then just throw a ton of money at it and then short, uh, essentially, you know, sell when the stock inevitably bounces back after the controversy. So, I mean, but uh, again, like the reason I guess I never really pursued it or thought about it is just because it seems like you need to invest so much to sort of like, like this is a long a long game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So like if you're selling the options, if you're selling covered calls, you got to have initially invested money. 
Well, if you're buying calls, like I said, you can take a very little money and potentially get big gains if you predict right on where the stock's going. Right. Um, so you're using, but, are you using Robinhood? Uh, what, what are you using? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm using Robinhood because you invited me. So that's where I started. Um, I mean, I've made some money. This is new enough that I haven't, I've made a little money off it, but not like really to see like what I'm averaging in every month. But I've made some money off Robinhood, mostly on my solar ETF, solar mm. index fund, which I should have put like <laughs> all my money in. <laughs> but um, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, oh, I'm yeah. considering switching because of all this stuff and like i could maybe even have let him slide but then earlier today like all this craziness was happening i sold my one gamestop stock hopefully no one from wall street bets is listening because they're gonna get mad at me and then i'm like (laughs) i'm like i wanted to like go do my actual strategy and i found like a random stock that i thought hit some good metrics is relatively volatile it had peaked higher than it was but like it, it wasn't at its low or its height so i'm like i'm not too worried about it crashing out entirely but it was getting good premiums on the call options but they restricted it because GameStop not or not robin hood has a massive list of stocks that are restricted and i'm looking at this and i'm like it's not gamestop or amc or nokia or blackberry or any other the other ones i've seen mentioned or memed it hasn't had been like a drastically changing price like over the last week so i'm like why the hell did they restrict this random stock that i wanted to buy and i was just pissed off about it because i'm like this is like i can't see anything any connection to the events with this stock, which has a fairly normal looking history over the last month, but I couldn't do it. So then I'm like, man, I really should get off of Robin hood. Yeah. No, they're restricting a lot. Like now, you know how they front you like a grand or something like you don't need to wait. Like now there are certain things like, I mean, cryptocurrency being the obvious one, like you can't buy with that fronted money. Like Mm. they actually, they actually need you to like, they require you to wait till your bank pays them. (laughs) Oh, one sec. My cat's getting angry. So. They front you 100K? I didn't no, know they, that. They front you a, a thousand. If you deposit into Robinhood, they'll instantly give you a thousand dollars up to a thousand dollars of margin. Um, oh, so, okay. you know, if you only deposit 500, they'll only give you 500. But like, I mean, it is margin, but it's, it's not much, right? Cause you already have like the transfer queued. I guess maybe you could cancel it and then try to run out with, you know, without paying them if you lost a thousand dollars in a day. But yeah. like, I mean, it's nice that they do it, right? Cause I've taken advantage of that. Right. But well, that's right. not maybe enough alone to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not like a huge amount of money, but it's definitely like I've, gotten to the point a couple of times where I was just like, you know, I have to wait. Like, I, cause I was, when I first started, I was just throwing like a couple hundred dollars in and it was like, oh, this is convenient because I can buy things instantly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, then you try to put in some real money and you're like, oh, I need like a week. Yeah, it takes exactly. a while. You're, it's really slow. I'm like, how come Venmo gets me this like a day or two later? And like, you're taking so long. Right. Right. I mean, you can pay like, you know, a 1% fee and get it instantly at these other companies. Never done that in my life. Heck no. (laughs) So yeah. So anyway, summarizing this, if you already have stocks, you think are good, but you aren't expecting to blow up, just sell covered calls on them. Make extra free money. No, that's fair. And this is you, Shu. You buy, well, you buy stocks like this. Options? 
No, you buy stocks that I think would be good for this. You sit on stocks. You, yeah, you sit on uh, stocks you expect to grow long term. So yeah. like you just got to look and say, is this going to blow up in two weeks? And mm. 99% of the time, the answer is going to be no. Mm. It's just, oh, okay. This I is good. Really- the, the only thing I will say is the 100 share thing is rough. It's a, like I said, it's annoying. <laughs> it makes it, um, it makes like it kind of excludes a decent amount of companies from it being viable with. Right. But. Well, I have most of my, the most of the money I have on Robinhood is in stocks that essentially I bought when they went through the floor in March. And I just mm-hmm. bought like a lot of, like I put a decent amount of money into those, like basically Boeing, Lyft, and Delta. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, basically, I'm just like, okay, now I'm 50% gain. Like, I'll just sort of let them sit there. So if they let me do that, then I would, (laughs) you know, but if I need to buy 100 shares of those, that's like a five grand minimum investment. Yeah, that's not ideal. I was just checked Lyft because I'm like, I know Boeing and Delta and especially Boeing aren't, that's not going to work. But Lyft, yeah, yeah, it's pretty pricey too. No, I wish I really, another reason I wish I had bought more of my solar fund because now it's too high to make this not a pretty painful thing. Um, So I could also be like, because right now I'm like, okay, this peaked way up, but I'm like, I think like it looks to me like it got to a new peak and it's probably going to be like settled and not go crazy for a while. And I'm like, this would have been perfect timing. But I can't afford another 80 shares in it. I guess I could, but I'm not willing to put up that much until one thing. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. All right. That's good. Uh, that means I need to look into options then. Because, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I guess I like simple strategies and I don't like anything that's too complicated and then just buy and hold it. But I guess I need to look into options to see if it's worth the time investment effort. There's a lot of crazy things people do with options, but I think this, like I said, I think this is like a very pretty simple, just low risk, reliable way to get more, you know, more than any say dividend on the stock is going to give you, right? Mm. Like, compare it to that. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is way better. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. I think um, that's pretty much, uh, I'm not sure, should I go in, into the book? Because uh, it's already like our so <laughs> how much do you want to talk about the book if you really want to talk about it we could save it till next time yeah i mean it's it's up to you we can save it till next time i mean i will say we need to take a week off because i'm moving a week from today but... mm. oh when were you moving so like i'm driving down a week from today so because there are a move like everything will be out of the house sunday so mm-hmm. all right i think i would say let me let's talk about it actually i think it's relevant so even though yeah let's talk about it so the book as you can see uh it's called the listeners at home cannot show yeah all i want to know is where i'm going to die so i never go there and it's also the subtitle is a buffet monger a study in simplicity and uncommon common sense right so this book okay. actually. Uh, Can I just say that I really enjoy the title and hate the subtitle? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Mike on this. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So basically, yeah, no, no, no. Subtitles are a little bit too. All you need to know is Buffett and Munger. So it's all about he, uh, the wisdom from Buffett and Munger. You know, yeah. Buffett and Charlie Munger. I think I mentioned before Charlie Munger to me is like the modern day Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Actually. I think I, I mentioned podcast that he died, but actually I just found out a few weeks ago he's still alive. So, oh man, 
Yeah. So so I actually after after I found out he's alive, I actually wrote a letter like wrote a letter to him. So I'm not sure if he 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 have received it or not. I said, Oh, I'm surprised that you're still alive. So I just take a chance to write a letter to you. So <laughs> maybe he'll write back. <laughs> what flattery? Is that how you led your letter? Yeah. I'm surprised to hear you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think he's gonna write back because he's like billionaire so <laughs> he's like 92 know. or 93 he doesn't have time so to read so to be fair, anyway, I, I, I just want to wrote him something to just to <laughs> so yeah so, inspiration i hope you live yeah. for a few more days <laughs> yeah so this is my uh second, game stop. My yeah, exactly. second, so this is my Sorry. second favorite book my of course after my first favorite which is harry potter so anyway just want to shout out harry potter as well so, uh, so the reason I like this book is because it talk about. Uh, actually, let me go through the first uh, first page. Actually, this this book actually kept, caught me in like first page. So basically, it started with a basically description of a, a guy, you know, just li- lying on his couch and feeling miserable, thinking about oh, his whole life have like being a loser, you know, feeling that like he's having made very, very poor decisions, right? So I was like, oh, man, this is like so me almost. <laughs> but all the decisions I made, back, you know, uh, have been quite bad looking back. So so he, he basically goes into a dream, right? And then he, in a dream, he basically, he went to almost like, in, uh, in a dream, he actually uh, came to a, like, te- in front of a temple, it's called a, almost like a library of wisdom, and there's a like there's a character called librarian. You know, she basically guides him into the library. And inside the library, he meet, he met uh, two person. One is Warren Buffett, the other one is Charlie Munger. And uh, he basically just go through like talk, have a conversation with the librarian, Charlie Munger, and also Warren Buffett about like life decisions and, in, and also invest, investing investing decisions. So basically, he's, this whole book is about uh, decisions in terms of investing, business, and also life life choices as well, right? So uh, I guess since uh, so I guess uh, go back to investing a little bit. The reason you know I like really like the investing because like a lot of decisions you make in, in investing they are also applicable to your life decisions as well, right? So. So that's why I'm very interested in decision decision in in investing where you like almost like you can practice every day like okay you're looking at business like if deciding how to you know whether invest or not it's almost like you're making a decision constantly so it's almost like a place where you can practice right so anyway so today I would say I'll cover I mean also another thing is in this book I almost underline every single page and there's no one page has no underline. So <laughs> all the closing years, like just almost like anyway, that's why I really like this book. So who's that? Come on, this is Rory. He's been on the oh, podcast. Rory, yeah, I forgot, I, forgot, I forgot her name. <laughs> my cat jumped in my lap to our many listeners who can't see. Yeah. So so there's a, one section on this book is about investing and business, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, so basically, what he's suggesting about uh, investing is that when you're looking at business, right? How so when you're buying buying a stock, right? Because Warren Buffett is almost something called value investing. You only invest in something for long term, right? Basically, mm-hmm. that's what they do. 
they buy stocks in a Coca-Cola, you know, Costco, because these they know it's long term. So basically, mm -hmm. now how the question is now how do you decide which stock to buy, right? We're talking about Robin Hood and stuff, but so so what they do, one thing, first thing they they uh, say is that you need to actually yeah, so first thing they, they say is about you need to they only buy something they understand, right? So they, they need to understand a business in order for them to invest in this business, right? To buy stock in this business. So the first thing is they say they need to understand it. So to to them, I guess the understanding means it's not about like I guess to them the understanding is like if you can predict like where the business is going to be in 10 years, right? So that's why I asked you earlier, like, why, how do you know GameStop, well, GameStop is a good business, right? Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I get you. Right. Yeah. So one, one, so they, they do not actually invest in like, uh, what do you call that? Those uh, technology, because they say they do not understand technology. Not because they don't know they they don't know their application or benefits. It's mainly because they don't they cannot predict like what's gonna be in ten years. The business gonna be in ten years, right? Because technology changes so fast, right? So that's one of the reasons they don't invest in technology, right? But I well, I would say they do invest in things like Costco. I mean, I think technology is changing Costco's model, right? Business model. Well, everyone, every business uses technology, but there's right. businesses that are about, you know, creating new technology, just businesses that use it. Right. Well, yeah, that's fair. But so I mean, Costco is, yeah, is, is a good example, right? So Costco, they can understand, they, they can see, they can predict almost like, uh, what they can see now where the business is going to be in 10 years. Right. It's easy to see in a Costco supermarket. It's probably not going to go anywhere, right? Whereas mm -hmm. if if you invest in like uh, other technology companies, software companies, like you don't know when they 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 cannot they don't they doesn't they cannot predict where it's going to go in like ten years, right? Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, I would say that there have been big like department stores and stuff that have sort of bungles sort of the seeming you know stranglehold they had on an in industry and gone under and i mean and you could sort of say like the sort of mainstays in technology like google and microsoft it's like they have so much money that mm -hmm. i don't see like some competitor coming out of nowhere with some new technology that just just knocks them off you know so. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. No, I mean, the reason is not debating about whether like you can like Microsoft is a good business, right? I'm saying that for them personally, they just say if I if I can see where the business could be gonna be in ten years, and they will invest. If they cannot see it, they don't invest, right? And that's their yeah. rule, right? And then it's, yeah. it, it, of course it depends on the person. It's gonna be different on the person, right? Because what you know is very different from Charlie Munger. Because you sure. you are. Computer science, so you probably you might you might be able to understand the business better because what you invest is going to be very different from what Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett invest in, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then I think there's two things about I guess they talking about like uh, how do you look at a business, whether it's a good business or not, right? So one thing uh, they suggest to look at is something called competitive advantage, right? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there's two factors, like the competitive advantage and also like, how durable the competitive advantage is, like how long you know, can these competitors continue, right? So these are basically the two important things. Like, and then they call, this, they call the competitive advantage almost like a moat for business, right? You guys know mm. the moat? Right, so around the, the castle. Say it again? Like around a castle, a moat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then do so the business... Well, busy should do is actually try to widen the moat, right? You want to make the moat as big as as wide as possible over time, right? So, so look at the competitive of the business. If it's a, if you think there's a it's a good competitive advantage, you know, it's gonna be lasting. Then you can you probably should invest in this business, right? So that's, right. that's one thing if you can see it, right? Right. Well, the barrier to entry for other, like I mean, that's I guess how it's phrased. Like when it comes to like other businesses trying to get into that industry, what's what's their barrier to entry, right? I mean, that helps yeah. to understand if there's like a monopoly or something. Because like, you know, in the airlines industry, it's like, it's pretty hard to see like another airline like breaking into it because the barrier to entry is so high. I mean, you need like money for planes. You need to be able to get routes and get into airports. And like, I mean, the resource is already limited, so, and it, it would take a outrageous amount of money to like start your own airline, right? So yeah, like, uh, like Coca Cola, right? It has a very good, it's a very good business because his moat is very wide, right? It's it's, it's his brand, right? Because he's nobody can really like replace Coke, right? In America, right? Right, and they already have like the trucks and distribution and everything set up for like a worldwide soft drink company plus the other brand. So. It's the taste, right? Now everybody's associated with the taste, right? And the Coca Cola, and that's why everybody when they when they switch to the new Coke flavor, everybody's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Right? <laughs> the new Coke fiasco, yeah. That is fair. But yeah, so so Nozana is durable because Coke is going, it's not going anywhere. And like Costco has very good mo as well, right? It's uh, you know the brand, the quality, the membership, all the stuff they do, and the Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so I guess there's, so there's a, and then since we're talking about mode, right? There's two things you can evaluate mode basically is something called essentiality, like how essential is the, the mode, right? Whatever. And then also the other thing is looking at is like pricing power, right? Which means that if you raise the price, do customer care, right? Like, for example, like Netflix, right? If they rise, raise the price a little bit, Maybe one dollar. I mean, most people probably don't don't really care, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's how do you, I guess, determine how strong the boat is, right? If you uh, raise the price a little bit, you know, do people like go to another alternative, alternative, right? So, sure. Well, I'm just trying to think about like I did. It, well, I guess it depends on the industry. So there must be like industry specific sort of guidance with respect to like how like how to push that like envelope where it's like, okay, we'll try raising the price 50 cents and see if they notice. Like, I mean, for example, Pacific grill, right? Pacific <laughs> grill. When we first started going, there was six ninety nine. Then they went up to like seven fifteen or seven. Like they went up like 20 or 30 cents. And then they went up like a full dollar. And that was at that point, I was like, this is ridiculous. They're only a few dollars less than like a tin drum. Right. 
Yeah, I thought uh, they only went up to seven fifty. Did they go above that? I think they. I feel like they went to seven ninety nine by the time I stopped going. Maybe. But those were normal. Those were due to inflation, right? It's not because they want to price it higher, right? Well, they increased it a little faster than inflation, I think. Yeah. But I think, I think, the point Mike's is making is that kind of pushed up to the limit of like still being the cheap food option, but not so much so, right? Like they were just barely keeping their cost advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so there, I guess, depending on the industry you're in, there's a uh, question about, like, how to do that most tactfully, I guess. Because obviously, like, when it comes to, like, airlines, it's, like, JetBlue or something, which is usually, like, like, has decent prices compared to, like, Delta. Like, they may try to, like, inch their way up a little bit, but it's, like, at what point do people, like, use Delta out of brand loyalty, even if they're within, you know, even if Delta is like more expensive, but it's only like $30 more expensive or so. I mean, so yeah. So there, I think there needs to be, there's probably an art behind that, that or an arts. And by art, I mean a team of thousands of data scientists behind that. Hmm. Hmm. All right. <laughs> All right. So I think that's a, that's, I think that's uh, basically one thing I got from a book about, you know, how do you, when you're looking at business, right? Um, you know, when you're looking at how, what, I mean, fundamentally investing to me is, uh, is like buying, you know, investing in, you basically look at which could be is a good business and you just buy the shares in that business, right? And then just hold it for a long time, line, long, long time, right? So you just, you know, so that's, mm-hmm. So that's why I like to look at, okay, what's business is good so I can just buy it and just never sell, right? So I think Costco is a good one and then Disney is another one, right? Disney is like every child in every child in America's mind is like Disney growing up, right? So you already exposed to Disney in the very, very beginning. And then and then Mickey Mouse, right, is never going to go away, right? You know, yeah. So in the whole world, right? And in China, it's Mickey Mouse as well, right? So... Right. No, and, like, I mean, this is, as you say, value investing, right? Really investing right. on the grounds of companies being, you know, good, solid companies that are going to continue on as opposed yeah. to playing the market, which is way more fun, but, you know, yeah. much closer to gambling. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. Well, I, I don't like playing with the market. It's almost like you, you almost like you just like playing with like the, I guess I don't gain a lot from it because I, I like to be a, be a ability. I, I, I guess I like to learn how to can seeing a good business, right? Like what mm. is a good business mm-hmm. right? and develop, develop a business judgment to now, okay, say, Oh, this is a good business. This is a bad business. So then that's why I want to learn. Right. So that's why I don't like doing the other, other stuff. Like, Oh, just like uh, options. And then, you know, playing with the market basically right so yeah mm-hmm. also also like one thing i like to do is call something called i want i like to minimize my decisions right so mm-hmm. if you make yeah. one decision that it can eliminate thousands of decisions right so if i made a, one decision of i just buy and never sell that's one decision i made right and i don't need to constantly thinking about every day now do i need to say it now do i need to say it now do i need to say it now you just take out all your time right so that's why I asked you earlier, like, how much time effort for options, right? Because if you take a lot of time, then 
it might, it might be better to invest that time to do something else, right? Because investing actually in terms of is not, it's called, it's basically resource allocation, right? Which it doesn't, it doesn't have to be money, right? It could be your time, right? Your energy, right? So how do you basically you want to move, you know, wherever, move the resource from a low a area of low yield to a high area of higher yield, right? So that's what investing is, resource allocation, right? I got right. it from Tim Ferriss, and that's his definition. But anyway, so, and so I, so I mean, so yeah, it could be time and energy, right? So, so that's why, yeah, anyway, so. No, that's why I'm wasteful because I enjoy my time too much. So like I will pay extra money for just like, like uh, basically just people dealing with stuff like, that's you not know, waste, like, though, right? That's waste. That's waste is waste money. You're not really wasting money, right? You are investing because money saving not, time. You're being yeah. scrupulous, just not with money. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fair. But yes. I will. I just want to say, investing is resource management, but like almost everything you can view as resource management if you really break it down. Yeah. But that's you know different topic. That's true. Yeah, that's From eating. Right? To... If you do any kind of resource <laughs> management, is investing, right? So. I mean, resource, not allocation, same thing, I guess, yeah. 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 You're always but, investing something. No, yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, it's just your decision about how much, like, obviously, day traders, right, they they spend, like, the majority of their time trying to do this and make money, you know, as opposed to someone who just buys Vanguard index funds and then, you know, that's it, right? Has the automatic deposit every month into their, you know, big index and just leaves it. Totally. Yeah. That's a, I would say that's the best form. I mean, best way to invest, right? I'm surprised you actually have so many individual stocks the way you talk about it. I would have thought you would, you know, when you, you're really trying to minimize decisions, why don't you just pick the big, you know, index funds and the like, and just, you know, throw well, money I do, in there. I use, I, I use Betterman, you know, uh, wealth fund, right. To do these night. Index Vanguard like investing, right? Put the money in there. Like instead of putting in saving, you put money in there, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do like buying stocks on Robinhood because it's, it's fun, right? It's also like looking at business, right? So learning how to make the decisions. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. So it's not like, but I, I only do buy. I usually, I rarely sell, right? I just like which company is good and I just like going up and down low, I just buy more, right? So. Yeah. So basically, just looking at how basically try to test, practice how to how to recognize good business, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? No, that and, makes a lot of sense, and I I think you know we're not financial advisors, but most people would probably agree that you know the majority of your investments should be fairly safe, long term stuff. But yeah. taking out some portions of something that you think is fun or interesting can potentially get you more money. And if nothing else can help you learn, because like I'm less interested in like individual businesses, but I do find market dynamics and, you know, the interactions between all the people on markets very interesting, Mm. you know, and all how people try to evaluate the probabilities and stuff. So that's to me, like options is really interesting, Mm. just kind of from a fun standpoint. And I think if it's something that you're already interested in, you have a much better chance of doing well with it, right? Like if you're interested in businesses fundamentally and what makes a good business, you're probably going to do a much better job than me evaluating companies when I'm like skimming through, you know, their, their info. And I'm like, I don't really care that much. Like, I just want to double check some basic things that it's not 
something obviously toxic that I'm missing. And then it's like, that's overall, I'm more interested in playing against the other investors. Oh, yeah, wow. it's really as a game, right? So you're having fun, like beating other people, right? That's what you're trying to do. That's yeah, why right? machine learning wins it, because it's a game. <laughs> so, But, well, I mean, there's machine learning might be able to win against other market players like me sometimes. Uh, but, like, I think the value investing can't be automated, at least right now. So sure. that strategy is going to be good for well, a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, to most people, value investing is boring, right? So unless you don't get all these high, high swings and high gains, right? and that's why it's boring. That's why a lot of people don't do it, right? I mean, uh-huh. I, I mean you do it for safe, but most people, you know, and that's why picking stock is just, you know, yeah. And now you say it's more fun, right? It is. And, you know, you know, some people, you know, you could say it could be a little bit of gambling, but, I mean, you can do strategies that are fairly low risk. And unlike... And on real gambling, you go to a casino, the house always takes a cut, right? They always have the advantage. So mm. like long-term, you're always going to lose. But in the market, long-term stocks go up. So, you know, as long as you're not worse than average, you, you should make gains, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. you got the edge for you, which is nice. So, so basically, I want to go back to the book a little bit. I forgot to talk about the title, right? What does it mean? Oh, I want to know is where I'm going to die, so I never go there. This, uh, this is uh, uh, Charlie Munger saying it on the time. So the reason he basically, it kind of encapsulates his ideas of like, he's, he, what he advocates is basically you can go through life, right? Be quite successful just by avoiding big mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. So watch out for like, stupid mistakes. Like you don't want to put all your savings into a Bitcoin, right? Or Tesla, right? Or you know, gain stuff, right? So avoid these stupid mistakes. Just do simple stuff. You sh- you will be successful, right? As you if you you know live a long life, right? So you should and these simple strategies sh- should help you go through life quite successfully. And then a lot, he also not advocate like. Don't try to do. Don't try to be smart and think that oh, you know you are smart, educated, that you can do something probably smarter than other people. Just come up with like complicated smart strategies, right? He's just saying that you know those actually, these simple strategy actually probably works better than those. Like, you don't because you you don't need to be brilliant or very very super smart. Basically, you just need to be have some common sense and just avoid these stupid. Don't do stupid shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean, yeah. So, so then, the, then, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it's the baseball thing, like yeah. with two outs in the inning, choke up on the bat and just try to hit a single. So, <laughs> I had no idea what you say, but sure. <laughs> I don't play baseball. <laughs> the most boring game in the world, right? So, <laughs> so that's competitive fair. with soccer. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so that's, that's the meaning of the title, I guess. But there's a lot of other things that we can talk about next time. Like, you know, just if you want to have a happy life, right, don't marry, uh, like, back. make sure you find the right person to marry, right? So, you know, don't marry someone that, you know, you're going to regret, right? So those decisions are very important, right? Yeah. What's on your shirt jacket, by the way? It's the microphone. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Actually, I'm like, was that a supposed Mac? I don't feel like you sound different than last week. Do you, sounds- Mark? He did you? I think he used one last week. 
Yeah, oh, did I, he? Yeah, yeah, he's one athlete. I started oh, okay. using it because uh, my I feel like the recording voice when you publish in a podcast, the uh, the audio is not as good. Mm-hmm. Just in my uh, but this one is more. And this is one I I use. I go when I go in the street to interview strangers, right? So mm-hmm. that's how I stay in a social distance because I just have this on them, so I can record their voice very clearly. Mm-hmm. And then I record my own voice and my own questions, my my what I say on my own phone, right? Mm-hmm. So then I had to splice the combine the audio later. So it's kind oh, of okay. a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, social distance, right? So that's why I use this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. Side topic, but. So yeah. Anyway, so let's uh, just talk about this book. So yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. I think that's it for now for this one for the book. Uh, I thought it was uh, that's interesting. Well, I'm glad we talked about it, but I was I thought it was more focused on like life and death and you know. Oh no. He, yeah, yeah. I think he's. It, it is about life and decision, right? But you know, these they are the, almost like the best investors in the world, right? And they they go through they are like ninety already, so they have a lot, a lot of, I guess, life wisdom, right? So anyway, sure, so. sure. No, no. I mean, I I can definitely see, you know, like if you, it's, I feel like a lot of people. Like if they try to, uh, I, I was gonna say swing for the fences, but I'm not going back to baseball. But if they go for something like big, or they like work too hard, that's when you you know can burn out or you know have something truly terrible happen in your life. As opposed to where if you just like basically make like manageable goals and keep plugging away, like eventually you're you'll work your way to. It may not be, you know, Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger status, but you'll work your way to something solid. So, here's another way way, way to frame it. <laughs> if you kind of take a high risk approach to your life, you're either going to die lo- young or you're going to lose, right? Cuz like after enough years of doing the risky plays, uh you're going to lose eventually, for sure, even like if, if you win for a little bit. Well, it's like if you're in a casino and you play are playing roulette and you, you know, you bet on double zero, like you can hit once in a row. And then like, you're like, oh, that's 36 times my money. But like, if you don't walk away soon enough, you're probably not going to hit many times in a row. So. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. but I just want to hit once and walk away. <laughs> or flip thought, is this just billionaire investors trying to suggest to the masses to just keep their heads down? and grind so that they can keep all the big gains. That's, that's possible. An alternative. <laughs> yeah. This could be a psyop, you know, just trying that's to right. trick people. This is yeah. a pro, uh, propaganda by the ruling well, well, class. They do that when, they are, when they are giving their, all their money away. <laughs> yeah, probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but you could maybe sell a book saying this and get some people excited about it. That's right. True. True. And that's why I'm talking about this right now, you know? Shinto Club.